Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Game two tonight at the Garden of the Eastern Conference semifinals between the Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. It looks like the MVP, Joel Embiid, is back. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, he covers the Celtics and the NBA for the Boston Globe, our friend Gary Washburn with Gresh and Fourier. Gary, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? We're great, although I didn't like hearing that Embiid is back. I guess the question that I ask you, Gary, your best guess on, is this going to be the real Joel Embiid, or are we going to get some sort of injured facsimile of Joel Embiid out there tonight? Yeah, I can't see it being 100% Joel Embiid. First of all, he's coming off injury. Secondly, he hasn't played in more than a week, right? So I don't think he's going to get, you know, 43 minutes and, and, and be his vintage form. I think they're going to kind of bring him along slowly. Obviously, he's a seven foot, 280-plus-pound guy with an injury history, so you don't want to force it out there. So I don't think... For this game, especially, it'll be vintage indeed, but I do think he'll play 20-plus minutes, and he'll obviously be a factor on the floor um, and change some things. So specifically, what do you think that would be? Let's just say he starts, uh, and you have Philly's starting lineup. What do you think uh, Joe Mazzula does to counter that with his starting lineup? Like, who are his five? I think he keeps Horford in because Horford does a good job historically against Embiid. The thing that I think this does is it puts more focus on Embiid offensively and less focus on the other guys. The problem with game one, for the Celtics' perspective, is none of the Sixers, nobody had a bad game. All their guys had good games. Obviously, you know, Harden had 45. Tyrese Maxey had 26. Uh, De'Anthony Milton had uh, 17. Um, Tobias Harris, who struggles mightily against Celtics, had 18. Like, None of their complimentary players had bad. Not everybody did well or above average. The Celtics have to do something to stop that. Now, the ball is going to go in more to Embiid, so all those guys are going to get less shots, especially Harden. So we'll see the impact of that on their offense because they played small, they shot a bunch of threes, they didn't focus in the paint. This is going to be the complete opposite, obviously, with, a, with their seven-footer uh, present. And the Celtics are going to have to respond to that. And But the good thing is they, they're used to playing against Embiid and probably were a little awkward playing against a team that like Philadelphia that went small and shot a bunch of threes and hit a bunch of threes. Gary, off of what you just said about Embiid, 
Does James Harden still need to be the same aggressive guy we saw in game one, or does he go back to being the dude that can drop 30 but also is getting everyone else involved? Yeah, I think he has to be a distrib- go back to be a distributor. He led the league in assists. Uh, this is a guy who's multi-skilled, multi-talented, and still has some game left. I think we saw that in game one, that he can still hit shots. But then again, I don't think the, the Sixers – are going to rely on him to drop another 45. I don't know if he's capable of that like he used to, where he could do that from game to game, uh, especially in the playoffs. So I think he changes his game. He go- does a lot of pick and rolls. He tries to get Embiid involved. He tries to get Embiid easy shots. But I think it's also the other guys. They're going to have to perform just as well. I think the, the Celtics will play. I think they played a solid offensive game barring the last three minutes um, in game one. You know, so who else for the Sixers is going to step up besides Embiid? Is it just going to be Embiid and Harden? Uh, Maxie's a guy you got to look out for. they got a lot of weapons. You know, they're a good ball club. The reason why they're the third seed, but I think if the Celtics play a focused game, they should win. So, Gary, how much was coaching a factor in, in the first game, especially you mentioned in the last three minutes of the game, and how much do you think it will be a factor in this game? I think it's always a factor in the playoffs, Christian, and I also think that it was just some wrinkles. Like, Doc goes to a zone, and the Celtics struggle with that zone in the second half. They killed them at the, in the paint in the first quarter of the first half. You saw that. I mean, they were just rolling up points. Then suddenly they had more trouble scoring in the second half. Tatum didn't get off. He had 26, I believe, in the first half, and then 13 in the second. He scored one field in the fourth quarter. Like, they've got to figure out ways to unlock some of these guys. And Joe has to come up with plans to unlock these guys against some of these uh, defenses, and especially a zone defense. That's what they're going to see in the, the trapping defense. Joe has to make some adjustments. I thought he, he played Robert Williams a little too less, less than he should have. He only played 19 minutes. He was a plus eight. Um, Horford was a minus 17. And obviously, uh, I think you would rather have Williams on that one-on-one against Harden you know, to defend them for, to win the game or the game-winning shot, as opposed to Horford, I think so. I think he's got to go with Robert Williams, and I think he's just got to figure out ways. I mean, I was looking at other games last night, guys. Everybody talks about fourth quarter execution, fourth quarter execution. Some of these teams, the Knicks, the Lakers, they ran the same kind of like slow down offense. The, the difference is they hit shots. That's how they closed out games. They hit shots. The Celtics didn't hit, and they have not been hitting shots in the last six minutes. So is that on Joe to get them better shots so they can make it easier, or is that just the players to hit those shots? So I think it's a combination of both. Okay, so because I, I was going to say my follow-up to that is just so you don't think it's necessarily he, – maybe he's getting too much blame, but, but you don't think he's over his head in this situation with, with the coaching matchups in general if you're going to check those boxes. No, I don't think he's over his head, but obviously he's, he's coaching against some old foxes. Yeah, and you and you talking about Quinn Snyder was a was a was a good you know I thought Quinn Snyder outcoached him in the series against Atlanta, and I think Doc got him you know with that zone defense in the second half. Doc said, "Okay, enough of this scoring at the rim. We're going to stymie you. You're, we're going to force you into contested threes. We're going to challenge you." And the Celtics, of course, as usual, but it, it was that case, that way for Emmy Doka. It was that way for Brad Stevens. They do not have, know how to handle his own defense, and I don't know why but it always seems to come up. Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe Aggression Fourier talking about Celtics game two. Tonight they'll take on the 76ers. Joel Embiid will be back. 
I want to go back to something you said earlier, Gary. You used the phrase, play a focused game and they should win. What in particular, in your opinion, do they need to focus on to get that done? Yeah, Grace, it's just when you're up in a game, stay on them. Like, I thought the key to the game was the second quarter. They were up 62-50. to 50. Okay, so another 8 nothing, 10-2 run, they're up, you're up 20. Okay, against a team without their best player, then they shrug their shoulders. Then I'm not saying they give up, but then your advantage is great that you're going to win that game. What happened? They allowed like a 10-2 run. The Sixers cut the lead deficit to three by halftime, and suddenly you're in a, you've got a dogfight. Then they came out in the third quarter, kind of lackadaisical, and the Sixers went on the run, and suddenly it was a game. That game, they lost that game to me in the second quarter. You know, they had a chance to build a 12-point lead, and I get it. NBA leads are, are like nothing. You know, 12-point lead, that's four possessions, that's four three-pointers. Teams can hit that, you know, in four consecutive possessions. That's nothing. But you have a chance to build in that lead. You have a chance to put a team down that's shorthanded, and they didn't do it. And the same thing with the Atlanta game. And then suddenly what happened, they, they botched some plays in the last six minutes. One guy, Harden, got hot, just like Trey Young last week, and they lose the game on a, uh, on a step-back three-pointer just like Trey Young and yeah. off last week. I mean, it, it was a carbon copy where the Celtics should have won the game, game five by building on that lead, and they should have won game one by building on that 12-point lead in the second half. You're up 12 in the second quarter. You should not lose that game or allow the team to come back. You've got to focus and can't get cute with leads. The Celtics get cute. They take quick threes. They have hero ball possessions. Uh, they, they complain about fouls too damn much. Like, just little things that allow teams to rally. So, Gary, just – I mean, just to follow up on that, like, why? Like, because would you, wouldn't you consider them a veteran team, right? So you would think that they would learn their lesson, yet here we are. I feel like talking about the same thing we talked about against the, the same thing that they did against the Hawks and a lot of things that they did last year in the playoffs. Yeah, you would think. You would think, but this has been going on for years. Remember in the bubble where Miami took their lunch, they played a great three quarters in that Miami series. Then the, in the fourth quarter, the Heat would just step their game up and take their lunch money, and 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 it, they wanted it more. And I don't know why. I can't. I don't think they don't want it enough. They're not willing to work. But guys got it. Like you know, Jason Tatum goes up for a layup. He was fouled. He, they didn't call it. He stayed on the ground. Tyrese Maxey races up, and Robert Williams has to foul him because it was a five on four because Tatum didn't get back on defense because oh, he thought he got nuts. fouled. It's got to drive you nuts I mean, if you're the coach. Like, then do you yell at yeah. him for that, or do you brother-in-law you gotta, him? I, yeah, you can't. Well, you can't bench him. He's a bit, but you've got. There's got to be a level of like, get your ass up, and yeah. run down the floor. Quit complaining about calls. Quit focusing on the officiating. You know, quit doing hero ball plays. Quit doing the quick pull up three when you're when 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 they want you to take that shot. Quit. You know, and it, a lot of times it's you know playing to the fans. The fans are excited. You're up 12. Okay, make it 15. Okay, blow these guys out. Let's blow them out. I get it. They want to. They want to end the game in the second quarter. You can't end the game in the second quarter. You can, you know, you can better your chance to win it, but you just got to play solid, complete ball, build your lead, and then close games out. They have trouble doing that. Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe Aggression Fourier. 
want to ask you a non-game-related question. Obviously, Joel Embiid breaks through. He wins the MVP. Jokic is second. Giannis is third. Tatum is fourth. Is this an acceptable step forward for a guy that we know would love to add an MVP to the resume? Or is Jason Tatum just going to be in one of these eras, Gary, where it's going to be really hard for him to break through as long as those three guys are all playing well in front of him? What do you make of Tatum's chase for an MVP? Yeah, it's going to be hard. Um, one, I think that he's just got he's got to do it consistently throughout the year. No slumps. I think Jason was kind of in that the first 25, 30 games and in that conversation. But remember, Luca was too. Um, and then suddenly he slumped and the team slumped a little bit and then he kind of fell off and now he's fourth. I think that's a step forward. He'll get another first team all NBA, but if he wants to compete, he's just going to have to have a consistently great season. And then secondly, it's hard. There are guys coming, you know, Shea Gillis Alexander, you know, when, when he's not doing stuff off the floor, John Morant, you know, John Morant's a, a MVP candidate, Donovan Mitchell, like, there are plenty of up, up and coming players in the league that want is the MVP just as bad as Jason. So he's going to have to step up and respond. And in addition, as you guys mentioned, Jokic is not going anywhere. Neither is Giannis, and neither is Joel Embiid. So it's going to be hard for Jason to win one unless he has that consistently great year, no drop offs. The Celtics have a good record, and he just there's time, and he has to have. He has to have moments, game-winning shots in the fourth quarter, you know, 20-point fourth quarters to carry his team to a win. Not like game one where he scored one field goal in the fourth quarter. That is not going to get you MVPs, that type of play. He's got to have that. He's got to elevate his game to another level. It's already there. It's already getting there, but he's got to go farther. Great stuff from Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. You could read him there. And uh, he joins us occasionally to talk some uh, Celtics and NBA. Gary, thanks, friend. We appreciate it. We'll uh, catch you soon. Enjoy tonight. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Thanks, Gary. Anytime. There goes Gary Washburn. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.